Uh, three months. Oh, you just got there? Mm-hmm. Love it. I was there before, so I'm a retread. I'm, I'm a recycle there. I was there. It is lovely, lovely in, in Bloomington. Okay, so, yeah, I want to begin with a prayer, a prayer of empowerment. <clears throat> in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Because of your death and resurrection, you have redeemed and set me free. Have mercy on me. Forgive me of all my sins. Surrender myself. I surrender myself to you. I surrender to you my heart, my mind, and my soul, and my spirit, my will, my entire self, my entire body, my entire being. I am totally yours, and I give you permission to do unto me as you will. I invite you to come into my life and be the Lord and King and Savior and Healer of my life. I renounce Satan and all his empty works and all his empty promises. Cover me, Lord Jesus, with your most precious blood from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And protect me from the attacks and traps and tactics of the evil one. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen and to empower me to guide me, to help me become more like Jesus in every way. Come, Holy Spirit, and pour out upon me your gifts and your fruits so that my life will give glory to the Holy Trinity. Pray for me, excuse me, Mary, most holy mother of God and mother of my Savior, pray for me. Throughout all the days of my life, let the mantle of your love and protection be upon me always. I also ask that all the ministering angels in heaven, the angels and powers and virtues, the angels of healings and miracles, the angels of love, peace and joy, the angels of safety and protection, Saints Michael, Gabriel and Raphael, and all the legions of angels in heaven, to encamp around us and minister to us and all of our loved ones all the days of our lives. We ask this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, my Lord. Amen. amen. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So I chose that prayer because, again, it's very specific. We ask for specific things. There's power in prayer. Can you all hear? Is this loud enough? Okay. There's power in prayer, and uh, power in naming, and when we name things, God can respond. And also in there was a renounce, renunciation or a rejection of Satan and all of his works, which we do every year at Easter. You can, you can do it more than once a year. <laughs> I recommend doing it often, you know, re rebuking Satan, renouncing his evil works, and, you know, calling upon the opposite virtue. We're going to learn about that today. My scripture today is, a, is a, another beautiful scripture that I like about prayer. It's from Hosea chapter 2. It jumps around a little bit, but you can find it in Hosea chapter 2. I will allure her. I will lead her into the desert, and there I will speak to her heart. I will espouse you to me forever. I will espouse you in right and in justice, in love and in mercy. I espouse you in fidelity, and you shall know the Lord. 
On that day, I will respond, says the Lord. I will respond to the heavens, and they will respond to the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That espouse that 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 marriage language again is the the purpose of our life, union with God. So in the scriptures, it comes out as God wants to be married to us. God wants to espouse us. That's again that language of we're being made. We're made to be in union with God, and the purpose of our life is to reach this union with God. And then leading out into the desert part is a good segue for uh, contemplative prayer, because when we're doing that kind of prayer, it is uh, leading out into the desert, into the quiet, into the silence. So we were talking about the threefold division in prayer, which which mirrors the threefold division of uh, conversation you might have with anybody. There's times when you're speaking, there's times when you're listening, and there's times when you're thinking about what you're going to say or what the person is saying to you. And these are the three kinds of prayer, vocal prayer when we're speaking, mental prayer when we're thinking about what God is saying, and contemplative prayer when we're listening when we uh, say to God, speak, your servant listens, and then give give God some silence so he can speak to us. And again, all the highest prayer forms have this embedded in them. And the rosary is vocal, mental, and contemplative prayer. The mass is vocal, mental, contemplative. If the the priest will allow it, there's times of silence in the mass. They're they're right there in the book. and then uh, Lexio Divina. So I mentioned Lexio Divina a little bit at the end. Have you all heard of Lexio Divina? Yes. Okay, the name. So the first religious order really are the monks, like our great brothers over there at St. Meinrad. And they're about 1,500 years old. So I'm a friar. Friars are about 800 years old. Jesuits, they're the newcomers. They're only 500 years old, you know. <laughs> So anyways, the monks came up with this way of making this way of prayer very, very known on the earth. And this is the way that all the saints prayed. For example, St. Augustine would pray this way, and I think all the great saints pray in this way. So I just want to do a quick thing on Lexio Divina for you. You take a passage of scripture, and this is best with the word of God. Again, there's power in the word of God. There's power in the word of God. And the power is to change your life. And when you pray with the scripture, you allow God to speak to you through his holy word. And there's a lot of power in that word. So you take, you pick a passage from scripture. One of the best ways to do that, in fact, Christy and I were talking about it this morning, is to do the upcoming reading for Sunday. That's coming up for next Sunday. Pick that reading, the gospel, or one of, I would say, one of the letters, because we don't, Spend too much time on the letters at Mass. You could read one of the second reading. And you read it one time, out loud. Then you read it a second time, out loud. And finally, a third time, out loud. And when you're reading that text, it's either a word or a phrase is going to jump off the page at you. Uh, Every time you read it, the same thing. Hopefully, you've got to narrow it down to one at least. It's going to be jumping off the page at you. So then you take the next 20 minutes in talking to God about what that is. So let's say the word, here's one example of my life. I was doing one of those St. Paul lists, you know, put on this, take off that. And the phrase was, you know, take off adult, 
don't put on adultery or take adultery off. So I had 20 minutes now. I said, well, I'm a celibate man. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about for 20 minutes, but okay, Lord. What, what do you mean take off adultery? So as I started talking to God, he started saying to me, well, what about spiritual adultery? What about emotional adultery? What about intellectual adultery? I had to repent by the end of the 20 minutes. <laughs> so you, you, the word or phrase jumps off, jumps off at you. You take it to God in prayer. And this is for something for your own life. This is not for founding a new church down the street because you got a new insight about theology. This is very simply God speaking into your own life. And he usually says things like, you're doing a good job, or I love you, or this is good. They're never very complicated. They're always very simple and very uplifting. So you say, God, okay, God, what does this word, what does this word adultery mean for my life? And you take it into prayer. And then God, at some point, usually will give you an answer during that 20 minutes. And if he doesn't, sometimes it comes later during the week, like when you were in the shower, you'll get an answer. <laughs> he, will, he will speak an answer to you. And then you just thank him for that answer, and you move into the silence. You move into total silence, and you just rest in God's arms. Rest in God's arms and rest there in the silence. So Lexio Divina definitely is the easiest way to see those three divisions of prayer. Now I call those, as I was saying earlier, deep prayer. If you think of a swimming pool in a hotel, you got the kitty end of the pool for vocal prayer. That's where everywhere we learn it. We teach that to kids, and we learn that growing up, and it's all great prayer. Then you start going, getting up to your chest in the water in the middle. That's mental prayer. And that's a, that Lexio Divina would be a kind of mental prayer. And that is a little deeper with God because you're praying with your, your mind. You know, we spoke about how to do that earlier. And then if you, go, if you go onto the diving board and dive in, that's contemplative prayer. And I just want to say one more thing about contemplative prayer. So, so the difference between the word contemplative and contemplation. So all prayer leads to contemplation. Contemplation is when you become aware of God's presence. You're aware that God is present to you. So vocal prayer leads to contemplation. Uh, mental prayer or, or meditation leads to contemplation. And co contemplative prayer leads to contemplation. So all the prayer gets there. It's, it's all a gift of God. It's nothing you do anyways. It's God giving you this. Just the different forms of prayer are faster than other forms. So if I wanted to go home tomorrow, I could walk back to Bloomington. That would be vocal prayer. I could take my car back to Bloomington. That would be mental prayer. I could take an airplane back to Bloomington. That would be contemplative prayer. It's the jet, man. It's the fastest way to, to, for God is when you go into the, enter into that silence and let God speak to you, sometimes in words that are not even in words, but in ways that are amazing. So when you practice these deeper forms of prayer, mental prayer, also called meditation in our, some of the literature, and contemplative prayer, you're going to deal with something called uh, distractions. This is something you're going to deal with. And Thomas Merton said, if you've never been distracted, you've never prayed. <laughs> it's part of the gig. So when, you, when you're trying to concentrate and meditate and distractions come, so it's, it's great in vocal prayer, because if you're doing vocal prayer and having a distraction, well, you just pray for that person. You just change the focus of your prayer. You know, maybe God wants you to pray for that person. 
when you're trying to do mental prayer, you're trying to think about the great mysteries of God. Um, what you normally can do is have a pad of paper next to where you're praying, and when those distractions come, write them down and then say, it's nice, that's good, Lord, but, or that's good, but I'm not doing that right now. I'm doing this other kind of prayer, and, you, and then you focus back on what you're doing. When you're doing the silent prayer, or the prayer of quiet, contemplative prayer, listening prayer, it has many names in our tradition. Sometimes called centering prayer, it's another name that it has. Well, you know, you notice the distraction. And again, Thomas Merton says it's you're gonna have the biggest crowd of buffoons come across your mind that have ever come across anyone's mind. Because <laughs> your mind your mind isn't used to you uh, not not following it. It's, it pushes us around all day long. Your mind's telling you what to do. Boom, 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 boom. When you say, no, I'm doing this now, and the mind doesn't like it, so it starts to give you distractions. And the first kind it gives you are, I got to cut the grass, I got to paint the house, I got to make my bed, I got to go pick up my... All your to-do lists will start coming up. So you notice it, say, that's nice, I'm not doing that right now, and you come back to your sacred name, the name of Jesus, and you come back to your prayer. I'm, I'm listening to God right now. If you fight it, you make it stronger. So that's not good. So you just notice it and then say, I'm not doing that right now, and come back to your prayer. The other thing your mind will do is just start, for at least for us, God, you know, for us priest types, we'll start writing the greatest homilies in the world. That's nice. I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, but I'm, you know, I'm doing this. I'm listening to you in, another, in a different way. So that's how you deal with distractions. And what you're doing in that contemplative prayer is you're learning to hear God's voice. As I said at the Mass, God is always speaking. We have to filter out his voice from all the other voices that are around us. And so when you practice these deeper forms of prayer, you're learning how to hear God's voice. Oh, yeah. Okay, did every, if, if you didn't get one of these handouts, this is for you to take home, and the whole spiritual life is on here. It's called the Discipleship Wheel, and uh, that's going to help you keep yourself in balance. So pick one of those up. So something that really helped me in the spiritual life when I really started to get some, really get some traction and grow a lot was the idea of uh, uh, setting goals. I didn't want to do it because the Jesuits do it, right? <laughs> I didn't want to be a Jesuit. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was at a charismatic prayer meeting, and you know, I went to a prayer team, and the people there had different gifts. You know, the, the Holy Spirit distributes different gifts to different people, and they were praying over me. And this lady, she didn't know me from anyone. You know, she said, "Father." You got to start doing your examination. It's also called the examination of conscience. You got to start doing your examination of conscience because it's like you do all this good work all day, but then the foxes come at night and steal all the fruit. So I got the idea from that, and I started, you know, doing an examination of conscience. But I don't like to think of it just as that because that's just what I what did I do wrong? But also, where do I want to grow? Who's the person I'm trying to become? Who do I want to be? And then I, if I know Jesus promises, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened onto you. So then I heard on EWTN, praise God for EWTN, 
this person taught the acronym HOST. And you see it at every Mass. And these are, these are the four basic virtues that you need to grow in the spiritual life. Humility, obedience, surrender, and trust. So you pray every day to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me grow in humility. Holy Spirit, help me grow in obedience today. Holy Spirit, help me grow in surrender today. Holy Spirit, help me grow in trust. And at the end of the day, or I usually do it the next day, you check yourself. You know, how, how did I do? Was I humble yesterday? Well, no, not really. So, so then, you, then you ask the Holy Spirit for the opposite virtue uh, of the sense. You know, you realize that you were prideful. Holy Spirit, help me grow in humility. Help me grow more in that tomorrow. Just say you're sorry and help me grow in that tomorrow. Don't use this to beat yourself up. That's the devil's job. The devil wants to beat us up, keep us held down. You know, when your house breaking a dog and the dog uh, pees on the carpet, you put his nose in the pee, give him a little swat, take him outside. The devil wants to hold our nose in the pee. So we, didn't, we can't fall into that. We have to say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'll do better tomorrow. Help me grow in this tomorrow. And you might say, surrender. Did I surrender? Yes, I did pretty good surrendering yesterday. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Help me grow in this tomorrow. So you figure out what it is you need in your life, what the virtues are that you need, and you set those goals in the morning. And that's called uh, proximate prayer, by the way, proximate prayer, the prayer before you pray, the prayer that's before you get going. You set your goals for the day. And then over the years, you know, I, I came up with a lot of them. Um, hope. I did hope for a year. Uh, hope. Lord, help me grow in honesty with myself and others. Help me be open to you and to other people. Help me see the positive possibilities instead of what's wrong. And help me get excited about what you're doing in my life today. So you just have to look at the person that you want to become and start setting these, start setting these goals. It's also called um, what a spiritual alphabet. So you like develop yourself a spiritual alphabet. Another one I did, this is one of the early ones I did, Q-R-S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z. <laughs> I am out of control a lot of time. <laughs> Lord, give me quiet time and quality time with you today. May my prayer life be a relationship and not a routine. May I surrender today. May I trust today. Help me get to know the woman more, which was Mary. Uh, help me offer my life as a victim for sin today. U, V, W. Oh, U is help cut me free from the undertow that's taking me away from you. X is the cross. Help me meditate on the cross. The Y is our help me get to my primary fault and my primary wound, which we'll talk about in a moment. And Z, give me the gift of zeal. Now, you're praying for this every day. You're asking for it every day. And you know what? You start to change. Because it's, it's the work of God in our life. It isn't The spiritual life isn't us anyways. We're not Superman and Wonder Woman and we're going to do all these things. We have to receive all these gifts from God. So in Jesus' promise, you know, if you ask, you receive. 
I just wanted to mention one more thing uh, about this. When I, at this time too, I was, I met my first uh, charismatic priest, and the way he got me going on this whole route of the charismatic movement was, he just had me pray every day for growth in the in the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you know, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, courage, counsel, piety, and fear of the Lord. We've already received it at baptism. But we just pray every day for a growth in these gifts of the Spirit. And that's what really opened up, started, these two practices really opened up my life to be more led by the Spirit, to be more in touch with God, to be more aware of God's presence at all moments in my life. Okay, just a couple more little, little prayer techniques I just want to share here. We'll take a little break for a second. So first is the GI method. This is the great way of praying, G-I. So every time you see an image, like the cross, you, you say something to God about being grateful. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. The I is intercession. Please pray for all people who are suffering in the world today. So we're not using all these Catholic images as art. We're using them for prayer. You see an image of the Blessed Mother, and you say, Lord, thank you for giving me the gift of Mary in my life. Please, I pray for all expected mothers today. It takes less than two seconds, but it also it just it just refocuses your mind back to God and the moment, back to the, as we called it yesterday, the sacrament and the moment. You know, God's presence in our life. And I think I taught. Did I teach you IRS yesterday? IRS. So every day you invite Jesus into your heart. You invite the Father into your heart. You invite the Holy Spirit. I invite Mary and Joseph in because they've been a big help to me. And um, then you ask God, can I receive all the graces you have? Let me receive all the grace you have for me today. I want to receive it. And then the S is again for surrender. So may I surrender to you today. So those are two short ways to start adding more intentionality. Another word could be mindfulness more intentionality to your day. I like intentionality better. Then, I, at one point, I learned about Pusagel. That's what I want to talk about next. Pusagel. See, I love acronym. <laughs> Pusagel. That's the seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, wrath, sloth, avarice, gluttony, and lust. And this is the order that they are in when the devil attacks us. And this came from our, the Desert Fathers. You know, back those 1,500 years ago, our, our monk, they, people were fleeing the world to get out into the desert to get away from all the craziness of the world. We all want that world back, don't we? <laughs> but anyways, in their day, they were fleeing from the craziness of the world into the desert, and they found that the world came with them in their thoughts. And actually, they had the eight deadly thoughts. It started out as the eight deadly thoughts. Gregory the Great rolled two of them together. And now we talk, it's called the seven deadly sins or the seven capital sins. And this is an order, this is this order is important because it's in the order of severity. So the deadliest deadly sin is pride. The least deadly one is lust. That's the, that's the least deadly one. And when the devil attacks us, he attacks us from the bottom up. So if you can't get lust, 
gluttony and greed under control, your spiritual life isn't going to go very far because right? you're, you're focused on the wrong things. Sloth is right in the middle. Sloth is no energy for spiritual things. It's a terrible one. And it's uh, you just don't want to do... You don't want to read the Bible. You don't want to go to Mass. You don't want to say your prayers. you got sloth. You have no excitement or energy about your spiritual life. That's a really deadly one because you don't... You can, then you just... You know, it's not, that, it's not that you quit advancing because there's no such thing as being on a plateau in the spiritual life. You're either going towards God or away from God. So if you get stuck in sloth, you're really just declining, you know. Uh, how did Fulton Sheen put it this way? He said, you know, nobody floats downstream into heaven. You know, dead bodies float downstream. Live bodies swim against the current and swim up to heaven. And then, you know, and also uh, they get colder as they go up. So these are warmer, hotter sins. But, you know, wrath is still hot, but then when you get envy and pride, you get re they're really cold. So again, if you ever see, this is the whole structure of Dante's Inferno, and especially Dante's Purgatory. If you read Dante's Purgatorio, he gives the deadly sin, and uh, also he gives this, the way out of that sin. And it's all, and usually an example for Mary. There's an example for Mary as the way out of each sin. Because this is for your own, this is for your examination of conscience. This is a good way to go through it. These are the roots of all sin. So from these roots come the fruit or the flower of whatever sin it is. So you might say, well, I committed adultery. Well, the root is lust or envy, right? So you, and, you, and we want to get down to the root to get these things out of our lives. We have to, we have to hate sin. That's what Catherine of Siena says. We have to love virtue and hate sin. And we have to struggle. We don't ever want to sin in our life. We have to always struggle against sinning, not just say, okay, it's just a venial sin or something like that, but we had this real struggle against sin in our life. And so we ask the Holy Spirit for the opposite virtues once we realize what we have. So, you know, we ask for humility. The opposite of envy is gratitude. This is one I suffered with a lot, too, when I joined the order, the Dominican order, all these brilliant guys. I said, Lord, what you call, what'd you call me to this order for? All these brilliant people, what am I doing here? You know, and then I had to learn to be, to be grateful. No, be grateful for that person who has those gifts, and they're using those gifts to help people. And to recognize, I have my I have my own gifts. They're different, but they're not the, they're not my brother's or my sister's gift. I have a different gift. So gratitude, you know, the opposite of wrath. I always like to think is compassion. You know, I should try to have some sympathy or empathy for the person I'm mad at. Opposite of sloth is zeal, avarice or greed, generosity. Opposite of gluttony is having some fasting in your life, and the opposite of lust is not... Lust is using people like an object, so, or, or using a person has a means to an end. Uh, that, that's chastity, sorry. Chastity, chastity goes with that. So, unchastity and lust. Okay. So, one of the Desert Fathers a really cool guy named Evagoras Ponticus. He wrote a whole combat manual based on this. So if you have this thought, use this scripture against it. And it's called Talking Back, the name of the book. And he called them the eight 
he was more in tune with the spiritual side, the eight demons or the eight demons who attack us. So you can see that you know all these lists that we have in the Catholic Church are not this is where this is where they come alive. So you have to know these things. You should have if you don't have them written down, look them up because you're going to you should be praying for for example, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit every day or the three theological virtues, faith, hope and love. Or the four cardinal virtues, you know, prudence, justice, temperance and courage or the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit you know they're listed in Galatians chapter 5 so what happens is when you get these virtues and gifts of the Spirit and you you're now you're cultivating them you're in touch with them you're starting to use them now you're living in a way that very pleasing to God and that bears fruit they all have fruits in your life and the first three are love peace and joy in Galatians 5. These are the first three fruits to start to see in your life as you're following God better and using the gifts of the Holy that the Holy Spirit has for you in your life. So here's how here's how I think it works. There might be different opinions on this part. But at baptism, so everybody gets the sevenfold gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets it because the you get the indwelling of God at baptism. Then at confirmation, oh, and those gifts for, at baptism that you receive, the sevenfold gift of the Spirit is for your own salvation. So you have it. You know, that's wisdom, knowledge, understanding, courage, counsel, piety, and fear of the Lord. Do you understand those gifts a little bit? Should I say what they, what they do? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. So knowledge, you, you know, the, you, these gifts are things we do all the time, but, you, you know, they just, they're also gifts of the Spirit. So you have to have knowledge. You can't love what you don't know. So you have to have knowledge of who God is. And then uh, understanding is like, so knowledge is the data, you know, all the raw data. And then understanding is how does it all fit together? How does uh, all these different things fit together? The church is got a lot of stuff, doesn't it? How does it all fit together? We got holy water. We got incense. We got bells. We got virtues we got all this stuff how does it all fit together that's the gift of understanding and then wisdom is the practical gift of how you how you apply that experience and knowledge in real life you have to be a wise person a wise person knows how to apply those and when to apply them and that's when the gift of wisdom and then counsel is you know giving other people advice about God or receiving advice about God from the Holy Spirit and following that and that is, um, and then courage is once you know what to do, you have to actually do it. Just knowing what's right and knowing what's good, but then not doing that is worthless. So you have to have the gift of courage to actually do it. Piety is seeing God's presence everywhere in the world and treating the world and people and everything because God is interpenetrating the whole world with his presence. And piety is being able to see that. Again, that harkens back to what a mystic is. He has that real gift of piety. And then fear of the Lord. Uh, fear of the Lord is not a, a, a scared of the Lord or afraid of the Lord, but it's realizing that you get to a point in your life that you don't want to hurt God anymore with your sins. Right? When you're young, you know, you're afraid of going to hell. That's a natural progression. But when you get older, you just don't want to hurt Jesus anymore. 
You don't want to hurt God anymore with your sins. When you think of a mortal sin as a punch in the nose and a venial sin as a slap in the face, you just don't want to do that to God anymore. And that's that gift of fear of the Lord. And that's the beginning of your spiritual life really takes off. Or another way to... Yeah, that's good. So everyone gets those. Those are for your own salvation. And then at confirmation, you get gifts now for the building up of the kingdom of God. And there's uh, 24, 24 gifts that most people get. They come in bundles, like your cable, TV, and computer. You get a bundle from God, and it's, you know, hospitality, administration, the gift of helps, the gift of craftsmanship, the gift of preaching, teaching, encouragement. So everyone gets gifts at confirmation, and they're for the building up of, they're for other people. They're for the building up of God's kingdom. So then some, but everyone does not get all the gifts. You know, no one gets them all. Uh, these, there's 24 common ones, but you really can't write them all down. There's so many. It's whatever God needs in the world. He'll pass these gifts out. No one gets them all until we come together in a community. Then you have some, you have some, you have some, I have some. Now we got them all because God loves community, you know. Okay. So spiritual gifts. Then the Holy Spirit never quits giving us gifts throughout our whole life. Some people get the charismatic gifts. And you've heard of them like praying in tongues and the gift of uh, healing and prophecy and these other charismatic gifts. So some people get those. And then a few people get what I call the mystical gifts. And you've seen that in the great saints. Like Padre Pio, you walk in the confessional, he tells you your sins. <laughs> you miss one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, St. John of Cupertino, or Cupertino could fly, levitate, and all these high mystical gifts. And uh, some people get those, not very many, because you have to be really, really humble. Imagine if I had one of those gifts, I'd be so proud of myself. I, I, would, <laughs> I would be condemned, right? <laughs> so on top of those gifts are the, you know, the, in, the virtues, and God gives us those virtues as well. And um, then we have natural talents, and we get acquired virtues on top of that. And so we are, we're just really, really equipped to do God's work, to be on this mission. That's the great thing. When you, you, uh, when you celebrate the ascension, you know, we, people don't know what to think about the ascension. It's the commissioning. It's the great commissioning where Jesus sends us all out on the mission, and we all do it in a, in a different way. You know, we, as priests do it one way, lay people do it another way, married people do it another way, but it's all the same mission, which is uh, salvation of souls, bringing people to heaven, making sure people meet God and know God and know how good God, that God loves them. That is our mission, and so that's a good thing to remember when Ascension Sunday has come, so think about that on the Ascension. Okay, just a little plan now. Any questions about all that? That was a a lot. Do you get the principle? You you took look at your sin and then you ask God, you you rebuke that sin and you ask God for the opposite. That's what we're going to talk about next. A plan for spiritual growth.
Okay, so you recognize the sin. You ask for the opposite virtue. That's the first step. Second step is, it's a four-legged plan. I like to do four things because that's like our table has four legs. It's pretty sturdy. Uh, <laughs> get a prayer partner in heaven on your side. When you're, when, you're, when you're battling for a certain virtue, let's say you're battling for patience or you're battling for trust, you get a saint in heaven on your side, you know. You got your guardian angel too, by the way, but you get a saint. So you say, Saint uh, Padre Pio, please pray for me that I grow in patience today. And Padre Pio will pray for you that you get this gift. And you're, now you're asking the Holy Spirit and you're asking the saint in heaven to pray for you too. The third thing is, is to rebuke the evil spirit like, like we started out today. Spirit of impatience, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. I send you to the foot of the cross for Jesus to deal with you. That's it. You rebuke it and send it to the foot of the cross. You have authority over those evil spirits that are attacking you. We're not left orphans. Now, you can't do it for someone else. Well, if you're married, you know you have authority over your wife and your kids. You have a spiritual authority as well. But, you know, if it's another person you don't know, that's, that's when you need an exorcist or something, or a deliverance prayer or something like that. But in your own life, you have authority because we're baptized. And Jesus does not leave us orphans. Next time you go to baptism, you'll, you'll hear the exorcism prayers are right in there, kicking the devil out of town. He has no right to this territory whatsoever. He has no authority over us. He's not very powerful. I'm, I've been, I like to call him now like a chain chihuahua. That's what the <laughs> devil's like. <laughs> so Bishop Herman in St. Louis put it this way, and it was so, so nice. He said, um, if you don't know who you are, you're afraid of the devil. If you know who you are, the devil's afraid of you. Because we're sons and daughters of God, and we have authority over him. So you've got to take that authority, rebuke him, renounce him, bind him. When he starts messing with you, um, take that authority over. So take authority over that sin you're struggling with, rebuke it, and send it to the foot of the cross. And the next thing is, is to make a plan. So some of these things have to do with our, what we do. So we need to make a plan, how we're, what we're going to do next time that happens. I'll just give one for, um, like, losing your temper. So one I usually teach people is, you see you're getting irritated, pause. Say a quick prayer like, Jesus, help me. <laughs> then compliment the person you're mad at. They're doing something right. You know, say, hey, I see, I see what you're doing there, and that's a pretty good idea. And then try to get your way without getting mad or without getting angry or saying something angry. You know, could you do this instead? I always give them a concrete. Could you do this instead for me? And they can say, yes, I can do it, or no, I can't. I got the idea from Jesus when he went to that one town, the Samaritan town, and they wouldn't let him in, and the two apostles say, burn that town to the ground! <laughs> Jesus says, no, let's just find their town. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of the idea there. Find another way to get what you want without getting angry. So another way I talked about this, but I don't like it much, but I said reflect. These are all ours. Reflect on your you know, self-reflection. See your faults. Request the opposite virtue. Reflect, request, rebuke. Take authority over that 
evil spirit or renounce it. Restore, pray for healing. There you go. Reflect, request, rebuke, restore. That's another way to think of it. So this is getting into the power of naming, you know, the power of naming in our prayer, the power of naming in your spiritual life. I got some big healing in this, you know, early on as I was going through uh, our, our, our House of Studies program. That's our seminary. We don't use the same language. House of Studies. Our House of Studies. And, you know, I was realized I had to, but I, could, I didn't know these things about myself. I had to go take them to prayer. And then the Holy Spirit helped me name them. Like I had a huge fear of failure in my life that was really driving me very hard and a fear of reje- being rejected. So when you take that to prayer and then you're able to name those things, you can name that fear in your life, name that those fears, then they lose some power in your life. They become, they're still there, but they're more like a paper tiger now than a real tiger in your chest. So the power of naming. So that's, that's part of it. And then naming these things in prayer like we've been doing, getting very specific in prayer. It's much better because when you ask for a specific thing in prayer and it gets answered, then you can thank God because you know you've asked for it and he did it, you've, right? So it's, it's good to name. And let's see. A couple other things about um, prayer here. The shortest prayer, of course, is the name of Jesus. So you can always say that really, really beautifully. It's the shortest and it's a very powerful prayer. Just the name of Jesus and the name of Mary. And when you also pray, you can take authority from your baptism. Say, by the authority of my baptism, I rebuke this or renounce this evil spirit because we received all that authority at our baptism. At baptism, we share in the office of Jesus, priest, prophet, and king. So we share in that office with the Lord. We got authority like that. So we share in the office of priesthood, which is we offer sacrifices and we we can pray for people. The office of uh, prophecy, which is evangelization and saying God's words. And saying what God, you know, saying things about God, and then the office of king, which is, you know, the washing of the feet, like on Holy Thursday, uh, we're servant kings. We've been given that authority to serve others in this world in the in the name of Jesus. The word minister, right, it means it's in someone else's name. Someone else, so we can do these things in the name and in the power of Jesus. And this is the whole spiritual life. It isn't by our own power. It isn't by trying a little harder and and gritting your teeth. It's by surrendering to Jesus, surrendering to God, letting him do these things in you. Still do them all, but it's Jesus doing them through you. Again, we're like in an extension cord or something. The power is coming from God and using us to do his work. So the authority of your baptism, and you have authority, you know, you have certain... As a lay person, your authority is in the world. My authority is in the church. Your authority is in the world. So when you go to work, you have authority from God there to do God's work in, in your office. And you have authority in your family. And when you're married, you know you have authority and over your children. And husbands and wives have authority. And you know priests and orders and sisters, all these have authority. And you can draw on the uh, treasury of merit. 
you ever heard that word? This old word. It's kind of thinking of grace like a bank account again, but that's the old way of thinking about grace. But um, all of our good works, you know, uh, all of our good works have meaning, and um, we can draw on that treasury of good works that's in heaven, treasury of the saints. So you can call upon the treasury of merit, it's called, or the treasury of grace, and you can call upon the grace of, uh, let's say, those, those Franciscans who were here in the 1800s. You can say, Lord, I, you know, let me have some grace from that treasury of grace, treasury of merit from the Franciscans. So I'm closing up a little bit here. So the last thing I really want to talk about, you know, this idea of uh, all these lists, as I was saying a second ago, and checking, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's the one thing I wanted to say. (laughs) So, but don't do it too much because then then you've lost God again. You've got to keep God in the center. If you're just looking at yourself all the time, you're going to get way off. So what you're trying to strive for is a deep and personal relationship with the living God. God is alive. God is so interested in our life, every aspect of our life. And we want to be talking to God about that and be in that relationship with him. We can put anything in place of that. Theology, Bible, contemplative prayer. You can put anything in the way of that. And you want to keep that corridor clear so you're always in a deep relationship with God. So when you do, don't overdo anything I'm telling you here. It can be used to hurt yourself. So please, you know, don't beat yourself up. Don't don't become, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, not spurious, but mm-hmm. scrupulous. Thank you. <laughs> don't become scrupulous. That's a disease, right? So we have to Realize that the name of the game is, I'm weak, I'm going to fail, God loves forgiving me, and he's going to build me up. And he's not going to just forgive my sin, but he's going to heal me now and change me, and I'm going to become a different person. I once learned from a college student in my first assignment back in Columbia, Missouri, we were talking about it. She said, well, that was me, B.C. I said, B.C.? She goes, yeah, before Christ. (laughs) Now I've changed. I'm not that person. We're not that person we were in the past that committed those sins that we're we still think about <laughs> we're not that person anymore so we can let that go we can trust that God has forgiven us and we can forgive ourselves and we can keep moving forward just one last thing so the uh, and then some honorable mention so one last thing though Jesus Christ gave us the Beatitudes you know this is how we're supposed to live so I recommend memorizing that list or having that list Figuring out what it means, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, like what does poor in spirit mean, what does being meek mean, what does mourning mean over sin. And then, because that's that's who God's calling us to be. So if we know the list, we're praying our way into it. Lord, make me, uh, help me grow in meekness today, or help me grow in whatever it is. Only one or two things at a time, friends, because we're weak. Don't have yourself a giant list of things you're going to grow in. Just pick one or two things. we got, we got 90, 100 years to do this. <laughs> one or two things at a time until you get delivered or you get freedom from it, and then you can uh, then keep moving forward. We keep being perfected. We keep going through that spiral. So, yeah, one or two things at a time. I tried to say one, but... <laughs> 
people just don't like having one, so you can do two. <laughs> Honorable mention, find, you know, we were talking about with Chris the other day, you got to find the kind of spiritual prayers that give you life and feed you. And you can drop some forms of prayer that are not doing anything for you. It's perfectly fine. Maybe they were good for you when you were 12. You don't like it anymore. It's not bringing you life. Well, then find another way. There's so many different ways in our Catholic treasure house of how to pray. You just have to keep looking. It could be music. It could be painting. It could be coloring. There's so many different ways that we can pray. So some of my favorites here that keep me going are novenas. I love novenas. I love to do litanies. I like prayer books. I like to pray the Psalms. I like to pray chaplets. These are all different ways of praying. you got to find ways that bring life, and don't be afraid to drop off something that's not serving you anymore. As one guy, one of the priests said to me once, you don't wear the clothes you wore when you were a teenager anymore, do you? You outgrew them. So you can outgrow some prayer forms. And you can't, and, but you don't want it to be all devotions either because, you know, nobody can do them all. How many different devotional prayers are out there? You pick one or two devotions that feed you, that help you right now, and you continue to move forward in your relationship with God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, I thank you so much for this, these three talks and this time with this community, Lord. I ask you to surround them with angels that are healing, holy angels, warring angels, and protecting angels. Send your blessing upon everyone here and their families, and give us every gift that we need to grow closer to you. May Almighty God bless you all. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Mm -hmm.